Eagles Entertainment. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and we've got an NFC East playoff matchup as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 442. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Greg Cosell to talk about the Eagles' first playoff game here uh, in the 2022 season. Though the first time since 2009, the Eagles and Giants will face off divisional round this weekend. Lincoln Financial Field is the Saturday night game. Saturday, 8.05, I believe, is the kickoff here against the New York Giants on Fox. We're going to break this game down. Obviously, it's the third time these two teams have played. Really the second time that we can dive deep into the matchup. And the Giants... They've changed a lot over these last few weeks on both sides since the Eagles last played them in week 14. We're going to jump into why with Greg in that segment. Before we get there, I just want to quickly remind you, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question, leave it there. We'll answer it here in an upcoming episode. That said, let's get now to our chat with Greg Cosell in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to welcome in Greg Cosell as we talk through this Eagles-Giants matchup. And Greg, obviously no Eagles game to uh, break down, but a good week of action. Uh, in wild, super wild card super weekend. Super wild card weekend. Which is still happening because we are talking now uh, just about uh, 45 to forty-five minutes to 60 minutes before the Cowboys and Bucks kick off. But that has no standing whatsoever on what the Eagles' plans are for this weekend. As we found out, the, uh, the Giants and Eagles uh, will face off for a third time here on Saturday night. A lot of... Uh Divisional games in these playoffs. Very yeah. interesting. It seems to me there's more than there normally are, but... And all, I, I tend, and all rematches. I tend, I tend to forget from year to year. Well, you know, yeah, that, it all that's blends together. Yeah. When you have all these notes, <laughs> I know, they all I just know, kind of I mesh know. together. Yeah. But it, it was kind of interesting that all the wild card weekend matchups were, yeah. all, were all rematches yes. from this season. Yes. Uh, and that continues to hold serve. A bunch of others uh, that will continue as well. We'll wait on the results here for the, uh, the Bucks cowboys game. But um, let's get into uh, this matchup here, Greg, because as I mentioned... This is not the same Giants team that the Eagles faced in Week 14, both from a personnel standpoint and from a, from a health standpoint yep. and also from a schematic standpoint. A lot that we can touch on here, and we'll start with the Eagles offense going up against this Giants defense. And the, and the big topic will be Jalen Hurts, right? Coming off the injury, uh, there was a little bit of an up-and-down performance in Week 18 against this Giants defense. But we, as we mentioned, neither team was really showing much no, in terms of no, car, the, the no. schematic cards. They were all kept close to the vest in that football game. And I think Week 14, to some degree, is a better example of what you may or yes. you know you may not see because obviously teams will change. And we'll get into the Giants in a moment. But if you go back to that Week 14 game, that was not a heavy passing game for the Eagles. You know, I, I looked uh, in the office today. There were only two 20-plus yard completions by Jalen Hurts in that game. There were consecutive plays. To, and, and they were both uh, touchdowns. Yeah. One Devontae was to Adrian, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, other than that, there were no other 20-yard completions, which for an offense that is among the the best in the league at creating explosive 20-plus-yard completions this year in the entire league, it was kind of a... uh 
you know, an aberration kind of game. It was really a, a running game given the, the way the game played out early. That's the thing. And yeah. It, it was one of those games where one of my big takeaways was like, uh, for this offense, in terms of just, and this is for any offense, a really good blueprint is, hey, we're going to throw in the first half, build right. up that lead, and then we're going to run and salt the, salt the game away. They ran for almost 200 yards in the in second, the second half. half of that yeah. game. Uh, you know, and they threw for a bunch of yards in the first half. And then uh, basically Jalen Hurts uh, took the rest of the day off as far as throwing the football. Right, right. Uh, so it was definitely much more of a concentrated effort of moving the ball in the ground. So if we look at the Giants' defense, you know, I remember you and I talking leading up to that game, Fran, and, and the, the metrics bore this out. And so has uh, their D coordinator, Wink Martindale. He's done we, this for a while. We, we know what, we know we, what he We know he's does. been doing this for a long time. Yeah. He's one of the best in the league. Um, but what has his profile been for years and years? A lot of blitz from pressure front looks, you know, five, six, seven along the front. And man-to-man coverage. Yep. That's really been the Wink Martindale template for many, many years. Okay, going back to Baltimore, that's what he's done. Well, almost since that Week 14 game, in the games that really matter, obviously, yep. that's changed. We see a lot less man coverage, a much higher percentage of zone coverage. We see less less blitz. What we're seeing an awful lot of is defensive backs on the field, Fran. I mean, maybe not on first down, although they do play a lot of nickel as almost their base defense at times. I mean, this past week when the Vikings had two tight ends on the field, the Giants played nickel. The only time they played base was when there was a fullback on the field and the Eagles will not be playing with a fullback. So we might not see them in a true base defense. We might see them in a nickel defense. Now, they had really two nickel defenses. When when they played two tight ends, they played McLeod as the slot corner, basically, because he's a more physical guy. And when they played what would be called conventional nickel, they had Darnay Holmes, who's a cover player. Yeah. Um, so the point is, is this is a team that likes to play with a lot of defensive backs. They don't play a ton of dime, but what they do play a lot of is what we call dollar. Seven defensive backs. I mean... No team really in the NFL does that. You know, every once in a while you'll see it. The Giants far and away have played more snaps with seven defensive backs than any team in the league. And that's really become the way they've played on third down and obvious passing situations. And that's the thing is they played over 20 snaps of that dollar defense uh, in this game against Minnesota. I mean, I, I what are there three teams in the NFL that have played at least twenty snaps of all dollar, year? They, all year, You're right? So it right. just gives you a sense of how <laughs> yeah. outside the box that is. Not a lot of teams will play with that much speed on the field. Um, but just getting back to it from a from a coverage standpoint. It's, it really is stark when you look at it. From weeks 1 to 15, so the Eagles played them in week 14. In week 15, uh, they, they took on the, uh, the, I believe it was the Commanders, I believe, uh, in week 15. Um, in week 16, they played Minnesota. In Minnesota. From that point on, they completely, as you mentioned, they completely flipped where they were 33% cover 1 and it was 13% cover 4. You literally flip that. I they know. Were playing, they, since that point, since week 16, they've been playing less than 10% cover one. Yep. And they're up over 30% cover four, up over 13% cover six. It has been such a wide, wide, or huge, huge swing from uh, from that single high man defense to now more of a middle of the field open, uh, two high shell zone defense. I don't know. Like, what, do you, what do you make of that? Because it's from a personnel standpoint. Yeah. I, I guess the only thing that really changed was Xavier McKinney returned to the lineup, and that was a, that was a big thing. Um, and he's a really important player, huge player for that defense because of, of how the, of how he used his. And we can get into that in terms of how he's used. But I mean, 
it's been really interesting in terms of how often they've done it. And even if you say, hey, well, yeah, but that includes the, the Week 18 game, whereas you guys mentioned, that's right. Right. You remove that. The numbers are still... Still stark. St- yes, yes. It is yeah. very... It's, that is definitely the way... No, he's made an exceptional change. Yep. And, you know, you asked me, what do I make of it? Uh, to be honest, I don't have a brilliant answer for that. I yeah. don't know why, unless just in, in doing some self-scouting, they felt that this was not working and they needed to go in a different direction. Yeah. Because this goes against pretty much what Wink Martindale has done for the last number of years. But they clearly made a major conceptual change, schematic change in how they want to play. Um, so they are playing a ton more zone. Uh, they're not blitzing very much. They're relying on, on four-man D-line pass rush. And by the way, they're getting pretty good push up front, yes. and we'll get into we'll that get into momentarily. That, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, this is a totally different defense than what the Eagles faced week 14. Yeah, the, the blitzing numbers have dropped uh, not as much as the man numbers, but they still have, have right. dropped for for certain. Right. Um, the uh, I think it'll be it'll be interesting just to see because I think uh, you know we see I think Next Gen Stats have put out the numbers and, and said like hey like this is what they did because they played Minnesota twice in that span right. obviously this past week in the wild card round and then also yep. in week 16. But it's been more than just those two games. Right. That has been the way that they've played against uh, their last few opponents. It's now a five-game sample, uh, which is sizable. sizable. En- enough to say that enough the, you know, to say they made a about. change. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so it's something to watch here. We'll see if they decide to play that way here against the Philadelphia Eagles or if it's something that you they would, try and revert back. I guess I would, I would say you would think so for two reasons. Number one, even though Adoree Jackson is back, and Adoree Jackson this past week, as you know, lined up over Justin Jefferson, but they didn't play a lot of man. Now, he lined up over him and he traveled with him, but it wasn't as if he was getting, you know, in his face. And they bracketed Jefferson quite a bit. Especially in the the fourth quarter, last couple drives, a lot of double teams. Right, so, so... Yes, Jackson may be their best corner on the outside, but he didn't match up really truly man-to-man against Jefferson. So the reason I say you might continue to see this is because the Eagles present two really quality wideouts, a really strong tight end, and it might make sense not to match up. Although they did play some man on that final drive, and I found it very interesting that the tight end matchup on that final drive, who was not the tight end matchup the few other times they played throughout the game— on the final drive was Xavier McKinney. Yep. And he can match up to tight ends now. Yes. We saw him at Alabama. He played in the slot yeah. at times matching up to wide receivers yep. and did a very good job. So, you know, there's a lot of variables in this game that you and I don't know how Wink Martindale is going to go about it. And uh, I doubt he'll make an announcement this week about how that's going to play out. But it's very possible he could play some man and match up McKinney on Goddard. And, and look, it's been effective for them because if you look at the numbers too, I mean, they've cut their uh, the amount of deep pass attempts. <coughs> yep. They've been cut in half. They're giving up far less explosive plays in the past game. So uh, the, this change in philosophy has definitely worked in terms of trying to prevent those big plays against them. And that's been one of the, the thorns in their side uh, over the course of the season is while they have been very aggressive and, hey, we're going to turn up the heat. We're going to blitz, blitz, blitz. They've given up a lot of big plays right, as well. And keep one thing in mind. The other corner, Fabian Moreau, who came out of UCLA, and I remember doing him, and big kid, physical kid, but not really fast the way you think of a corner in this yeah, league. Right. You know, this may work better for him as well yeah. because now he can play with his eyes. He can play a little more downhill, play forward as opposed to having to turn and run in man, and that's not the strength of his game. No, and that's the thing. When you, you put Jackson back into the lineup, Adore Jackson, now it's like, okay, Moreau doesn't need to be the shadow player on the opposing. No. No, no, receiver, no, which yeah. he was for the majority right, of this year right. with Jackson out. Now he doesn't need to be that guy. Darnay Holmes is back in. He, he's fully healthy. All right, so now we can slide uh, McLeod back onto the, onto the bench. Xavier McKinney's back. Okay, now Jason Pinnock is back to the bench. All of a sudden, the secondary kind of rounds into form. And you, as if you're the Giants, you feel pretty good about where you're at now. 
it's a different beast going up against no uh, the, the depth a, of the Eagles It's receiving a different core. group right now, and it's a really solid group. And and they've gotten good snaps from Tony Jefferson, yep. who you know has been around the league probably ten years already, but he yep. knows how to play. Yep. Um, so you mentioned they, they were they played that dollar defense. That's where we saw a lot of Jefferson. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, so they that's where we saw Jefferson a yeah. lot uh, in this game. And the, they only blitzed twice from that. that that's I know you, it's, it's mind boggling. Twice from yeah. that look, yeah. they only blitzed two times. Yeah. It was the same blitz both times where Jefferson was up on the line of scrimmage and he ran like a three man stunt uh, with the two D tackles inside. So yeah. it was a little three man game looping uh, Tony Jefferson around. It was very similar to the the play you broke <laughs> down last week of Hassan Reddick uh, breaking down for the Eagles defense using Jefferson in that role, but. Um, yeah, that, that's that's something to watch there. Is and the other interesting sub. thing is in the fourth quarter when it was, you know, important time in the game yes. is you notice Landon Collins was not in the game. Right. And they put Dane Belton in. Yep. So, I mean, it, because that, what they did is at that point they took McKinney, who pr- predominantly in this game, not 100%, but predominantly he played a lot on the back end. Yep. And they moved him down in the box. Zone, he was essentially playing linebacker. And if they played man, he matched up to the tight end. Right. It's... The, the versatility of that of that back seven yep. is going to be really big for them in this game. I would imagine they're going to try some different kind of matchups, continue they to sure try are. and change the looks there for Jalen Hurts. And I think that'll be the big thing is that for Jalen in this game, look at you look at the way Kirk Cousins performed. And that's what made it interesting to find plays for you to be able to break down an Eagles game plan this week is that, hey, we, we want to show that this defense has changed a lot. But there aren't a lot of like positive plays that came up where you would say, oh, this was a well-disguised coverage and look and at this completion. And they got a right, pick. Right, right, right. That didn't happen. Right. I mean, Kirk Cousins was something like 31 of 38 right. or 31 of 39. But not for a ton of yards. No, but that, that would be the big thing yeah. for Jalen is yeah. to be able to stay. First of all, you got to make sure that you're staying patient. You know, don't, don't try and force the issue downfield if they're taking that away. But then the second thing will also be you have to make sure you're checking post-snap, that what you saw before the snap is what you're getting. So the question becomes, do they work outside the numbers, which they've done pretty well this year? Yeah. Because outside the numbers, no matter what coverage it is, it essentially becomes man. Right. So do they feel that, hey, let's work outside the numbers, you know, does Adoree J- uh, Jackson, does he uh, travel with A.J. Brown? Yep. You know, do, who knows? Or we do they say, hey, Moreau's a bigger, more physical right, player. We can right, put him on Brown right. and have a, Especially have a if Robinson. you're going to play zone. Yeah, right. But do the Eagles think, okay, let's work outside the numbers, uh, make it easier for Jalen. Now he doesn't have to read all those bodies in the middle of the field that, as you just suggested, could be disguised, could be late rotation, could show him things post-snap that's different from pre-snap. Yep. And, and now we get to the pass rush because now if you have to wait another beat or so in the pocket, all of a sudden the pass rush becomes a factor. And what we don't know about Jalen Jalen Hurts is. We don't know about the nature of the injury. Is he fully healed? Is he not fully healed? Is he going to feel as comfortable running uh, or not? We don't know the answer to those those questions. Yeah, and if you're going to deal with this pass rush, and that's the thing, is that they feel a little bit better about that four-man rush. They sure uh, do. blitzing a little bit less, and the, the, the centerpiece of that, Dexter Lawrence has been He's a, a man. A monster. I know. He's been so good. Yeah. That game on Sunday against Minnesota, as good as yep. I've seen any defensive tackle in a game this season. Um, he was dominant. Run game, pass game, late in the game, crunch time, early on. He just completely dominated the guy across from him. Single team, double team, yep. doesn't matter. And Leonard Williams was really Leonard good Leonard Williams as well. was really good, too. Yeah. And and we don't know about Ojolari because yeah, he has the quad day, injury, so day, we don't day know. Day-to-day announced by Brian Dable <coughs> right, today, so right. we won't know for until uh, later this week. Right, so basically they replaced him with, with two guys, Jimenez and Ward, yep. because Thibodeau plays on the other side for the most part. Yep. And Thibodeau 
is an up-and-down player right now. He can ha- have a nice play, but he's not a consistent snap-after-snap snap pass rusher yet. I thought he had a good game against the Eagles in Week 14. Right. Uh, showed up a number of times. Uh, couple, Did not show up a lot this week against Minnesota. Yep, it was a good, good matchup. He and Darishaw on the yep. left side. Uh, I thought he gave Jordan uh, some some issues. Uh, they yep. both had some wins yep. one-on-one yep. in that yep. game in Week 14, but uh, that's, uh, that's a matchup to watch, certainly, uh, is, uh, is uh, Thibodeau off the edge. But... They have to have an answer for Dexter Lawrence because Minnesota did not. Uh, no, they, they had they, they had all their starters and again, inside. The interior of the Eagles O line is very very good, but right. Dexter Lawrence is is arguably the best defensive tackle in the game right now. Yeah, I was I was looking through some stats and you know and just in terms of um, the amount of t- the amount of snaps that he plays. I mean, he, play, he plays he's played over 800 snaps this year. Which is a lot for a defensive tackle, especially one for that size. So that includes the playoff game. No, no, it's just the regular season. So he we're talking over 17 eight, games. He 17 games. He played 800 snaps. He's one of two defensive tackles to have 800 snaps and 60 pressures. It's him and Chris Jones. That just tells you like the kind of the level of player that he's been uh, for that defense this year. And he's uh, a 340 pound. That's man what I mean. That, that, that's and and Chris Jones. They're always playing with a lead, so he can right, right, put his right, ears back right, and go. Right, right, that has right. not always been the case, the case with the Giants. The Giants. Um, no, they were in tight. Ga- they've been in tight games essentially every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been very very impressed watching no, he's, him yeah, he's, uh, on tape. Um, so the Eagles will have to have an answer <laughs> right. there. Uh, that'll be a big match to watch, both run game and pass Without game. Without question. Uh, speaking of which, with the run game, you mentioned it was a it was a big game for the Eagles on the ground the last time these two teams played uh and we talked about that going into the week 18 game was a lot of gap scheme runs that, that counter read play was, gap a, scheme. was really Out productive 12 for personnel them. yeah and then even going back to last year yeah. uh, going up against this defense it was a different scheme but from a personnel standpoint uh they ran a lot of the, the gap scheme runs with, the, with a lot of the guys pulling from the backside something to watch here in this one to see if they go back to that Without or question. if they decide to go uh with one of their other you know dozen or so well runs i'm really curious to see how the eagles come out in this game and yeah. we you know we're just talking now. We don't know the answer. Sure. Whether they feel that they want to come out and try to throw the ball and get ahead, um, or whether they see it as a four-quarter game and they're yeah. going to run the football and and you know see how that plays out. And that's the thing is that when you go back to that Week 14 game, yeah, the run game was excellent. I thought Jalen was Jalen Hurts had one of his best games as a pro in that one. And even though the numbers weren't like gaudy in terms right, of like right. oh he threw for four touchdowns and 400 yards, uh, I thought that the way like. That, that third and nine completion to Quez Watkins the, the, on the, oh, uh, yeah, the opening drive. Like, you know, he had yeah. plays like that where just like, yeah. that, that's just really good quarterback yeah. and play. The Devontae touchdown yeah. all from that game where you say, okay, you feel really good about where he's at right now no, from no a question. standpoint. And we hope he'll be back to that. Yes, that, that's the we hope. We don't know right? the answer to that. Right. Oh, we, we'll find out uh, once, once we get to Saturday night. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that's big here from uh, this side of the football. I, I think we kind of hit on everything from a, uh, a pure matchup standpoint. Um, you know, the linebacker rotation, uh, we talked about Jalen Smith is their every down guy uh, when the, when they have a linebacker And Jared on the Davis field. has been there for two weeks, and he's basically playing now in, in their nickel, you know. And that, that's the thing. Is that, so Micah McFadden was a starter for them and was like, And obviously they did tacklers. not feel that. Uh, he was a healthy scratch yesterday. Yeah, I know, uh, yeah. I know. So, I mean, between uh, Jared Davis and Landon Collins, who have both have been active, activated right, right. the 53 in the last uh, month, yep. uh, both those guys have gotten the lion's share of those carries now, or of those uh, those snaps at linebacker. So, um, yeah, we'll continue to watch that uh, over the course of the week. We'll see how the linebacker situation plays out. Keep an eye on Aziz Ojolari, that injury, uh, and see how that plays out as well. But some big matchups in the trenches. Let's now go over to the other side, where it's not necessarily that things have changed <coughs> overall schematically. Um, but I thought you made the note. You made it, you made the note. I remember listening to you on one of the the, the million podcasts that oh, you go on, uh, where uh, Daniel Jones uh, they, they seem to be will, more willing to put the ball in his hands as a throw. Well, it, it really started with the the Vikings game week, week 16. sixteen. Yeah, it was the first close game this year. Jones threw I think over forty balls against the Lions earlier this season, but they were losing big in that game. Right, so they had to throw. 
Week 16 against Minnesota was the first game in which it was clear that Brian Dable said, hey, we want you to throw the football. I think he had 49 dropbacks in that game and ended up being 30 for 42 mm. and for 350-some-odd yards. And he threw the ball really, really well in that game. Uh, as people may remember, they lost that game in Minnesota on a field goal uh, on the last play of the game. Um, but since then, not that he's had 49 dropbacks in every game, but it's been clear that Brian Dable is a lot more comfortable with Daniel Jones throwing the football. They're a big play-action team. They want to be proactive, obviously, throwing the football, more so than they were early in the season. They, want, they use play-action very effectively with Jones under center, the old conventional play-action, act, old-school yes. play-action. Yep. Um, they work the middle of the field really well. Jones throws the ball between the numbers on crossers, those kinds of routes, really, really well. He's tall in the pocket. He's an over-the-top thrower. You know, he's he looks good throwing the ball, comes out well. You know, you can say this at any quarterback, but when he's comfortable, he throws a really nice ball. Yep. And their, their offense is now much more based on the pass game. I know going into this playoff game against Minnesota – which obviously they won, so many people were saying it's, it's Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. And I kept telling people it's not going to be Saquon Barkley. Mm -hmm. If you've been watching the Giants the last three, four weeks, it's going to be Daniel Jones. Right. He's going to dictate how their offense plays. And they put the ball in his hands, both as a, and he ran a lot. Yep. And as, uh, as a design runner and also taking off, you know, when he sees grass, you know they're telling him, if you see green grass, go. If he, When he drops back and he sees man coverage, <coughs> he's gone. Right. He's leaving. Right. He's, uh, and that's the – sometimes it goes for seven yards in a first down. Sometimes it goes for 20. Right. Uh, sometimes it goes for five. Uh, but he's, but he it's is clear. going to take it. Yes. It's clear that they tell him that when you see green grass, yep. you can go. You know, that's okay. It's okay if you break down the route, the design of the route concepts. You see it, you go. I was looking through some stats today. No one in the NFL has accounted for more first downs, that's throwing and rushing, on play-action rollouts uh, than Daniel Jones. Really? Uh, he has converted 33 total first downs as a thrower and as a rusher on anywhere where he's play-action and rolling out. Uh, so the, the eye test definitely kind of matches from that Without from question. The, from the stats that, that way. He also has the highest completion percentage on those. 83%, 82 yeah. and a half uh, Point, uh, well, his completion percentage for the percentage. season was pretty high. Yeah, he's one of the best in the league yeah. from that standpoint. Yeah, uh, he just doesn't throw for a lot of touchdowns, but he's thrown for more recently. That's the yeah. thing. You know, and again, if they had been playing, well, obviously, Brian Dable didn't feel comfortable doing this earlier in the season. Don't forget he had to learn a brand new offense. Yep. They certainly weren't expecting these three wide receivers they're playing with now to be their three wide receivers at the beginning of the season. So they had to develop a comfort level as well with them. Yep. And you can see it's pretty clear there's a comfort level now. Yeah, and that's the, all of them have kind of settled into to roles now, right? right? Isaiah Hodgins, he goes eight for 105 and a touchdown on Sunday against Minnesota. Uh, Darius Slayton continues to make play, big plays for them in the past game, especially on those play-action crossers. And you want so, to get him the ball on the move yeah, because he can run. And that's the thing, in, in previous iterations of right, this offense, right. it was, and this is, that was how their offense was built. Everything was linear playing with Slayton vertical. Right. Now it's linear playing with Slayton horizontally. Right. So the shallow crosses and those deep, big crossers. Right. Uh, and Jones throws that ball really, really, really well, well over the middle of and the And he field. dropped one at the end that might have been a touchdown. Yeah, right. That's, yeah. That was a killer for them. But yeah. Uh, I mean, they stay there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, I think when you look at the way that these guys are starting to settle in, um, Hodges is a big kid. Uh, 6'4", 210 pounds. Yep. Uh, and he's not just, oh yeah, yeah, there's someone on the back shoulder. He was routing up Patrick Peterson. He, he was creating oh, no separation question. time and time yeah, again. Yeah. Even going back and watching the, six, the Week 16 yeah. game against those two teams, uh, he played he well against He ran the Peterson. sluggo Week 16 against Got Peterson. Yep. yep. 
Um, so I think that's that's certainly a guy you're going to have to contend and, with. And the one thing I think that really stands out, too, with Hodgins is, to me anyway, is he has a feel for how to settle down in voids and zones. Both he and Richie James have done a nice job Yeah, I that. think they do that. I think, you know, to me it stands out with Hodgins in particular. Yeah, yeah. I think when you look at uh, both of those guys and, and Slayton, uh, there's certainly a level of, of comfort that Jones yep. now has with all of those guys. And, and all three of them have found ways to create big plays. You know, Hodgins and, and James have all reached the end zone, I think, four or five times in the last month and a half. So um, when you look at the way they're able to put the ball into the end zone, as you mentioned, Jones is throwing a little bit more uh, in terms of getting, you know, finishing off these drives for yep. touchdowns here down the stretch. And, you know, and they do a nice job schematically. They have some really, I mean, the touchdown he threw to Bellinger, yep. you know, off that rollout. You know, you mentioned the design boot action. Yeah. Really well-designed play. Yeah, they, I mean, they do a good job in terms of with motion getting him answers yep. before the snap. Yep. And, and saying, okay, you know what? Man zone indicator or finding a matchup, any of the creating leverage. Yes, exactly. Just right. say, hey, here, you know what? Uh, the, the, the Hodgins touchdown in the, in the red zone it was on Sunday. beautiful. Exactly, a great yeah. example of that. Yep. Uh, what, do you, what, what was it about that play that uh, that stood out to you in terms of just the uh, the way that they were attacked? Just a little motion concept. by was it James who yeah. came in motion? I it was James. That came James in who came in motion right. just inside of Hodgins, yep. and you could see it created. A question for the defense on yep. that side between Peterson and the um, other, was it the safety? It was the safety, I believe. Yes. Yes. Um, and I can't remember whether it was, it was Bynum or Smith. I think it was. I believe that was Smith. On yeah, that I believe it was yeah. Smith. So it just created a little bit of a question on how they, go, they were going to play the releases. And Peterson ended up playing what, what was kind of a condensed bang eight by Hodgins, but he was playing it with outside leverage. Mm. And therefore he got beat yeah. but just you know little things like that that little shift or motion i forget if it was a shift or a motion when the ball was actually snapped but just something like that changes leverage and it makes the defense have to do just enough communication that if they're just off like they were on that play it's a touchdown and that's the thing is that most of the season this eagles defense has been really good from a communication right, standpoint right. before the snap after the snap uh their rules and zone coverage have been very strong we're actually doing a segment uh, this week on Eagles game plan with uh, Eagles defensive back coach Denard Wilson where he does a, a very thorough breakdown of the Eagles quarters coverage scheme and just all the different ways they've been able to create some big plays on the back end from different spots in that in that defense. In Assignment that alignment technique. That's, it, that's what it's all about. And that's so right. with, the, with those guys on the back end, um, you know, it, that's been a huge strength of right, that yep. group in the back seven. And so they're going to need that to continue. This is not a downfield pass game. This is a defense that is going to be, or an offense that's going to be willing to, hey, you know what? We are going to matriculate the football down the field uh, and we're going to move the sticks. But here's what I wonder. I wonder if they're going to take a shot because now, you know... Every team has. They're, they're going to try. they're going to take a shot with moves. Darius Slayton because he yeah. can run by people. Yeah, with those double moves. You, you, yeah. They're going to come. They're going yeah. to take their shot that way. Yep. Uh, it's a matter of can the Eagles capitalize it or uh, at least look, make, make sure it's look, falls Look, we complete. saw uh, Shahid from the Saints get on yep. top of Bradbury. You know, will they take a shot with Slayton? I mean, I know that's not their M.O., but, you know, now we're in the playoffs now. And, yeah. th and there's always a tweak. There's always a wrinkle that you don't necessarily see on film and you're just not – you assume it may not happen. Yeah. Well, it's going to be something to, to watch, certainly, with this group of receivers. The other uh, thing I'd point out is how the Eagles will and, – and they will obviously prepare for this – is you're seeing a number of pony snaps with the uh, Giants. They where does you some see, really good stuff out yes, of Yes, Breida and Barkley. And they're kind of used in multiple ways. So there's no – to me – there's not a, a tendency that you see on film where you say, oh, they're both in the game. This is what they're going to do. Yep. They'll run, run plays, pass plays. Right. Uh, sometimes breathe in the backfield. Sometimes Saquon yeah. in the backfield. Yeah. They, both guys being used in motion. They average just under eight yards of play out of those pony sets. And they had that 19 pony snaps. I don't know. If this did not come out of pony, I don't believe. But I love the 26-yard play to 
a pass to Barkley right. where he worked through the line opposite trips. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a beautifully designed play. They burned Minnesota a couple times on plays yeah, like yeah, that with yeah. Barkley out of the backfield. Yeah. Where, and again, that just it comes down to the, the, that uh, I remember the Rams doing that kind of thing with Todd Gurley working through the line of scrimmage to the other side of the field. And it's and, and the Vikings were playing man coverage on that particular play. Yep. And that gets very hard to deal with for a linebacker. Yeah, if you're playing man, you can get picked off. If you're playing zone, <coughs> you're a, a lift team, a lift right. coverage team. Right. That, that defender under it's like, oh, I don't have anybody on my side. Right, I'm right. going to get depth, get depth. And all of a sudden, there's a running back coming in from across right. the formation that you did not account for. No, and, and you're late to the party then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so if you get Saquon the ball in space, it's no it's no different than uh, you know getting him that trap play, which went really well. Was, that was a 20-plus yard run. You get him up to the, the, the second level with a head of steam. That's where he's at his best. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that trap play because to me, that's a great example of coaching. Yeah. Because – Glowinski was the trapper, right. but I thought the best part of that play was the left guard, Nick Gates. Mm. Do you remember the, the, do you remember the play? Perfect, yes. The way, you know, just the technique <laughs> and the patience, and that's coaching. Yeah. Because, you know, in that situation, you probably think, oh, I, I have to go get that second-level guy right away because yeah. that's my guy. Right. But the way he took that step, the way he was patient to make the three technique, I believe, was Phillips. Yeah, so he yeah. acted like he was going to block Phillips, so without, Phillips is now prepared to, to be blocked. But then when he, you know what I also loved about that? Was they also had the tight end on the near side on Phillips' side? So Phillips, not after Gates doesn't block him, he's got he's like, oh wait, there was a tight end that motioned there to the wing. This is going to be a wham play. He turns his eyes to the tight right. end, expecting to take on a wham. <coughs> right. Except now it's because gonna be a very trap often you see way. a wham trap together. Yeah. Yes. So, and that's yes. A, so it was a very well executed play. The yeah. defensive tackle just got caught. But those are the kind of plays where honestly, you know, we've talked about Saquon Barkley and some of the issues he's had uh, over the course of his career. Uh, he's not always going to get those tough yards in traffic, like, you know, kind of picking his way through the briar patch. But when you get him out in space, when you get him to the second level and you get him into the right. flats with a head of steam, that's where he's at his best. And we saw on that long touchdown, those pin pool concepts of right, really, right. Really that, well that was them. beautiful. Hey, yeah. get, get him out in space. Yep. Let him be a yep. space player. That's where he's most well, dangerous. Another point you mentioned the pin pull the touchdown was Hodgins is a physical yeah, wide receiver. He'll block. He's very been a very useful player for them in yeah. a lot of different ways. Um, and they, I mean, they just got him off waivers off Buffalo from Buffalo yep. in November. Uh, so a huge addition for this team, uh, a guy that has come, come in and helped them in a number of different ways. Uh, we talked about some of the matchups on the other side of the ball in the line of scrimmage. There's going to be some big ones here in this game as well. Uh, we're going to find out about Josh Sweat and see and see if he's ready to go. But Josh Sweat against Andrew Thomas will be a big one. But a big, a big the biggest ma- one is is right tackle. That Evan was it, Neal. and that was a huge one in the last game. And Reddick was awesome in that Week 14 right. matchup. So the Evan question Neal. is is my sense is the Giants will start the game seeing if Neil can block him. Right. And if he can't, which he really had a hard time with in the Week 14 game. Yep. Then that changes the way the Giants have to do some things because now his running backs aren't going to be releasing. Uh, no, no, head. because you don't have a pass game without protection. Yep, uh, and protection is the key to everything. So now the Giants have to decide what do they want to do. You can do it a number of ways. You can do it formationally, just to slow down Reddick, you know, because now all of a sudden maybe there's a tight end in front of him. You can do it with people, and now you have fewer people who are eligible receivers releasing into routes. Yeah. There's multiple ways to do it. You can obviously try to do it with quick game throws where Neil does not have to protect for as long. There's multiple ways to go about trying to help him, but that was a critical matchup in the Week 14 game, and I think it'll be in this game one way or the other. Yeah, there, there are certain offenses where they just they, they are able to operate much more efficiently when they're when they are on schedule, right? right. And it's, I think the Giants <coughs> yeah. are one of those teams yeah. where if they're able to keep the run game, play action game going, and you keep them honest from that standpoint, well, now all of a sudden this offense is able to move very efficiently, and, and maintaining a lead is a part of that, right? I think when you look at um, this, when this team is down in the second half their offensive numbers plummet. Right. And for, you might say, like, Fran, well, that, 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 you could probably say that about most teams. 
You'd be surprised. There are a lot of teams in the NFL where, uh, you know, like Buffalo, if they're doesn't down in the matter. second half, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. They are going full pedal to the middle. And, <coughs> and, and they usually move the ball. Yeah, they, yeah. Know, they move the ball with very little resistance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Giants have struggled when they have been down. Well, they're not they really a, a straight drop back passing team right. as much as they are a play action and, and quick timing passing right. team. Uh, and that was a, a big takeaway uh, in that last game. I mean, yep. the Eagles on third down were outstanding. Such a wide variety of defenses that they play. But then uh, the Giants started 0 for 5 well, on third down. Well, you can down. also do that when you're ahead big. Well, that's the, it. And, yeah. and, and ahead by, ahead when you're ahead the, by three sticks, touchdowns. You're keeping them to third and long. Right, it's easy right, to get right. to. You can to do a lot more stuff and feel okay with it when yes. you're ahead by three touchdowns. And, and that's why I, I, that was the point I was making just in terms of trying to help out Evan Neal. Right. Is that, hey, you know what? If we're able to make sure that we're staying efficient on offense, Because uh, he's actually not a bad run blocker. No, that's the thing. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that can help him out a little bit yeah. against Reddick, and that's something that I'm sure that they will try and see yeah. if they can do uh, in this football game. It'll be a good one. I'm excited for you it. You know, you see what's happened in these playoffs up to this point. There's been a lot of close games, yep. a lot of surprisingly close games. Uh, so you, you just don't know. Yeah, you know, it's uh, and division opponents. You know how it is. Yes, I mean, look what just happened with with Miami and Buffalo. Look what happened with Cincinnati and Baltimore. Yep. I mean, these games are close. These teams don't like each other, and they they there's a little edge that's involved in these games. There's plenty of familiarity on both yep. sides yep. from a player standpoint, from a coach standpoint. Yep. So, um, obviously, look a, a lot on the line here between these two teams. It'll be a fun game here uh, at Lincoln Financial Field on Saturday. Greg, you and I will be uh, win or loss. We'll be breaking this game down next week uh, right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks again for joining us for Chalk Talk. Thanks, Rant. Great stuff there from Greg. Thanks to him, and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.